listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of Locked on Broncos. Here on Wednesday, we got you guys covered from the south stands to the end zone. And today's episode of the show, look, the Broncos making some big time moves to bring back some key players to this defense. We dive into that, but I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, NFL analyst and Broncos insider for the Locked on NFL Network. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Broncos. And you can now text me and receive Broncos news or ask your Broncos questions through 303-529-6323. Send me a text message. Add yourself to my contact list. Join the hundreds of Broncos fans in doing just that. But today's episode of the show, as I had mentioned, we break down a big-time signing that the Broncos made on Monday, bringing back a key role player from the 2019 defense back into the fold here in 2020, plus the Broncos shifting their focus on the special team side of the ball, trying to get better in the next season after a poorest output in 2019. Plus, we take a deep dive at the special teams unit. There's going to be some changes in this Broncos special teams room at key positions. We break it down. We analyze the rankings from 2019 and what the Broncos need to improve on going into the 2020 season. Plus, we recap our first ever watch party, hashtag LOB Watch. We reviewed the 2015 season, week 16, against the Bengals Monday Night Football. We recap the action from the first and the second half, how the Broncos get back into that game, and how did it fuel them going into that historic run in the 2015 season. Obviously, we continue our film series review. Our watch party continues next week on Tuesday with the Los Angeles Chargers Week 17 game of the 2015 season. We break down all the action, though, on today's episode of Locked On Broncos. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's dive into the action here. Now, on Monday, the Broncos, they made a key signing. Well, I wouldn't say a key signing. They made a key re-signing to a very important defensive player that contributed massively in 2019 for this team at a very significant position of need. And that was at the outside linebacker position. The Broncos on Monday brought back Jeremiah Atauchu on a one-year deal. And this is a big move. This is probably the most underrated move for this Broncos team this offseason. I'll tell you why. He's going to be the number three outside linebacker behind Bradley Chubb, behind Von Miller. And the impact of this move extends just beyond what he did in 2019. For Bradley Chubb coming back off of ACL surgery, you want to have a guy that you really trust behind him or more so behind Von Miller to come in and to kind of provide a little bit of relief in situations for Chubb. Now look, Bradley Chubb's completely on track for training camp. He's expected to be ready. He's been training at the Broncos facility every single day with the same exact trainer going through his physical therapy and his rehab. And, and all reports right now out of Broncos country are very good on Bradley Chubb. But going into training camp, I'd expect him to ease him into the process of getting acclimated to being back on the football field, doing football related drills, more specifically under CBA terms, are always an important thing to monitor, especially when a player is coming off of a massive knee injury like Chubb was, but we got to talk about a tattoo's impact. Look, the Broncos relied a little bit on Malik Reed after Bradley Chubb went out with a torn ACL, but then they brought in Jeremiah Ataju, who by the report of Vic Fangio at first was trying to win him over by talking him up like, coach, did you see what I did when the team would review film? And then all of a sudden, Jeremiah Ataju's play 
one Vic Fangio over. And that's something I always remember from the 2019 season, Fangio talking about exclusively. And he said, look, he won him over, and he became a very important player on the Broncos' defense. And he finished the 2019 season with three and a half sacks, but his impact goes beyond the stat sheet. Several times when he was in the game, an outside linebacker, he made opportunities more easier for guys like Draymond Jones, for Derek Wolf, for the nose tackles, even for the inside linebackers. Well, how is he going to make an impact for the inside linebackers? I'm glad you asked. Well, what would happen is in certain stunt packages the Broncos would do, they would crash in Jeremiah Tauchu right off the edge, right off the shoulder of whatever tackle he was lined up, whether it was the right tackle, whether it was the left tackle, whether it was a tight end. And when the Broncos would send the inside linebackers, Tauchu would try to crash that shoulder and try to get a little bit upfield, which would widen out the offensive line from the guard, from the tackle position, allowing those inside linebackers to blitz inside those A and B gaps. And so because his pressure was coming off the edge, quarterbacks would step up into the pocket and then they'd have an inside linebacker in their face. That's exactly what Jeremiah Tachu was able to do. Outside of just getting pressure on the quarterback and getting some sacks, he was able to create opportunities for this defense to get off the field on critical third down situations. So this, in my opinion, is the most underrated signing, re-signing for the Broncos this far in the offseason. I I really do believe that and I I get it. It's a one-year deal. He's a veteran guy, but I can't state it enough. Having pass rushers is important and the Broncos have just that behind Bradley Chubb and Von Miller in Jeremiah Atauchu. But they weren't done just yet. On Tuesday, they made a move on the special team side of the ball. They signed veteran punter Sam Martin to a three-year deal. Now, Martin spent his last seven seasons as a member of the Detroit Lions, and in his seven-year career, he averaged 46 yards per punt, which is pretty good all across the board. If you look at a seven-year average, if you average 46 in your entire career over seven seasons, that's pretty consistent. That's pretty decent in the National Football League. And against the Denver Broncos, I believe he averaged 52 yards per punt in week 16 when the Lions came to town. So, I mean, I look at all these things, and I I think that this move puts the writing on the wall, to be honest with you. Colby Wadman's time in Denver should be over. It it more than likely is over. Now, what I've been told is that the Broncos, they they have three punters on the roster right now. You have Sam Martin, you have Colby Wadman, and you also have Trevor Daniel, who you signed to a futures contract. The likelihood that Colby Wadman is on this team in 2020, even going into training camp, I suspect a release is probably going to happen at any point in time. And if the Broncos release him before June 1st, according to Spot Track, if the team cuts him before June 1st, they will save around $750,000 on the salary cap. And the Broncos have been fluctuating a lot of these deals to get some flexibility in their cap savings and bringing in a guy like Sam Martin who you're probably going to get better punt production out of if we're being quite honest with you. Go back to the Minnesota game. I felt like he was booming it all over Minnesota. I've got a film study coming out on Twitter at Cody Work NFL and on YouTube, Cody Work NFL. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and you guys can get the film breakdown that I post there on my channel. We're going to do a film review here on Sam Martin, so expect that here in the next 24 hours for your viewing pleasure. But this is a move that upgrades the Broncos at punter quite easily. And so... Just to get you guys a little bit more insight as to what Sam Martin can do for the Denver Broncos, we headed off to Matt Derry of the Locked On Lions podcast to tell you Broncos fans what you can expect from Sam Martin in the special teams department. Matt Derry, the host of Locked On Lions, here with news out of Detroit, and that is that Sam Martin is out of Detroit. The seven-year vet and very solid punter for many years for the Lions is now headed to the Denver Broncos on a multi-year contract. Free agency we knew was coming for Sam Martin took a pay cut last year and decided to stay. It was definitely sort of an up-and-down career for Sam Martin in Detroit. Very popular with his teammates, very popular in the community with many things that he did uh, charitable-wise in the community. 
community, especially in terms of dogs. But some fans will always remember the shanked punt from a few years ago in the Dallas Cowboy playoff game that really cost the Lions field position and a chance to win that football game after Jim Caldwell elected to punt on a fourth and one from his own territory. And Martin shanked the punt very badly, giving Tony Romo and the Cowboys the ball in the, in the Detroit side of the field. And the rest is history there. Martin's always been a solid holder, pretty good punter, was never, ever a Pro Bowl caliber punter and was a guy that was inconsistent at times, but all in all, pretty good performer for both uh, um, Jim Caldwell and Matt Patricia the last two years, but the writing was really on the wall last year when he was forced to take a pay cut, and then the Lions electing not to bring him back. So he'll head to Denver, where hopefully that thin air will definitely help him out, but still has uh, much mileage on the tires at just 30 years of age. Sam Martin, good, good guy in the community. Solid punter, not spectacular. We'll get an opportunity with the Broncos. Thank you, Matt, for your analysis on Sam Martin, the newest Broncos punter, and hopefully, yes, like you mentioned, he could boom it in the thin air at Empower Field at Mile High, and if anybody knows more about Detroit Lions football, it's Matt Derry who hosts the Locked On Lions podcast. He is the Locked On NFL Network's Lions expert, but thank you, Matt, once again for your analysis, and ladies and gentlemen, coming up here in just a moment, we're going to be breaking down the special team side of the ball for our deep dive. Several major players from 2019 they're not going to be there from the special team side in 2020. We're going to analyze the changes. We're going to go back and recap where the special teams unit ranked for the Broncos. We're going to do that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, I got to remind you guys, look, with this COVID-19, we're all cooped up in our house. Just want to say thank you, listeners of Lockdown Broncos and all across the Lockdown NFL Network. Our entire network had its most massive listening numbers to date last week during NFL Free Agency, and it's a good escape from the reality that we're all facing. So thank you guys for making Lockdown Broncos part of your daily routine. We are underway here in the second half of Locked On Broncos, and we just talked about the newest additions. Obviously, Sam Martin coming over from the Detroit Lions. The Broncos signed him to a three-year deal. Plus, they brought the back veteran outside linebacker Jeremiah Tauchu on a one-year deal. But now we're going to take a little bit of a deep dive into the Denver Broncos special teams unit. We highlighted the addition of Sam Martin. This is an upgrade over Colby Wobman, but I really want to go back and reflect on the Broncos special teams rankings in 2019. They were not very good in various categories. And the expectation was when Tom McMahon came in, I mean, he had worked with the likes of guys like Pat McAfee as the Indianapolis Colts special teams coordinator, and they saw tremendous production from a special teams unit. They were one of the best special teams units in the NFL under Tom McMahon, alongside with Pat McAfee. But we got to take a deeper look at the struggles of this Broncos special teams unit. Since Tom McMahon has come in, the Broncos haven't been top ranked in a long time. They, they really have in the last couple of seasons. They've had several areas where they do really good at, but overall, it's been very average to subpar at best. So take a look here at some of the key rankings for the Broncos special teams. Let's take a look at the punter position. And and that was led by Colby Wadman, who last year, he net averaged 39.4 yards per punt. But the gross punting average for the Broncos, they averaged 44.4 total gross punting average, which put them at a league rank of about 24th in the National Football League. That is in the bottom 10. That is not good. That's a bad, bad area. It just goes to show how bad the Broncos punting situation really was and how it has been for the last couple of seasons. The Broncos had brought in Marquette King and free agency. The expectation was he's going to be booming 60, 70 yard punts at mile high. He gets released. 
And then they bring in Colby Wadman, and the struggles continue. And we saw it in training camp, too. The Broncos tried to bring in some competition in 2019. At training camp, they brought in Justin Vogel, and that put the pressure on Wadman a little bit. He started performing better with competition. This move, though, with Sam Martin, it's not a competition move. Colby Wadman, his time in Denver, it's run out. So take a look there. You obviously see a bottom 10 rank in the NFL in terms of gross punting average. Let's take a look at the net punting average for this team as well. As I had mentioned, Colby Wadman, 39. 9.4 net punting average yards per game. That put them at a bottom ranking of 26th in the National Football League. I, I would say that's really where a lot of their struggles are attributed to. I look at some of the special team situations last year. I look at the Broncos defense being the number one red zone defense all across the board in the NFL. That isn't a tribute to Vic Fangio, Ed Donatel, and this defensive coaching staff, all the assistant coaches at their positions, coaching their guys up to be very disciplined. It is a bend but not break mentality. However, it does not bode well for you when you're starting out a negative field position defensively. When sometimes your teams get the ball at midfield or sometimes even past midfield due to a shanked punt or to a bad punt or bad punt coverage, the Broncos punt coverage team, when Wadman would punt the ball, they gave up two touchdowns this year on punt returns, one against the Los Angeles Chargers, one against the Detroit Lions. That two, Having two punt returns on you is not very good. Even Tom McMahon came out. He was accountable for it. He said, look, that's on me. That's one thing I respected about Tom McMahon is he didn't deflect it. He didn't try to just blame the punter. He said, that's on me as a coach. I've got to make sure that stuff doesn't doesn't happen. I, I can respect that 110%. I completely get that. Uh, but when you take a look at the punt return average for this Broncos team led by Deontay Spencer, they were ranked 12th in the NFL, which was great, but it felt like there were many times Deontay Spencer didn't really get a good, clean chance to return the football in 2019. I feel like if he had guys, in terms of the coverage unit, the guys that are covering the Gunners, which look, you're going against some of the fastest guys in the NFL. You're playing inside leverage most of the time. Sometimes you're double covering. One guy's going to drop back. One guy might, you might even stay on a double team against the Gunner just to prevent him from getting downfield. Those guys are the ones that blow up the plays, but the Broncos just didn't have great enough kick coverage, in my opinion, to be able to spring a guy like Deontay Spencer free, which I hope that they can do that in 2020. In terms of punt return average against them. Look, the Broncos gave about a 9.8 total yards per punt return average against them. So when they'd punt the ball away to the opponents, they'd return it for an average about 9.8 yards. That's ranked 30th in the National Football League. And a lot of it too, you have other guys at the gunner positions. I believe you had Jawan Winfrey at the gunner position for a little bit. I can't recall who else you had there, but the gunners had a really hard time getting downfield and making plays. And that's where I think the Broncos had to find a way to strategize. How can we get our coverage guys downfield because I know what the Broncos punting philosophy is or their kick return philosophy. They want to punt it. If they're on, let's say the right hash, they want to punt it all the way down to the left hash side and they want to have that right side hash hash cover guy get down the field. He's the first guy. He's tracking the football. He's trying to close that return alley up from the middle of the field to the right side for where he came from. He's trying to attack that outside hip of the returner to force him into where you have hopefully nine to ten other guys and that's the Broncos philosophy. That's Tom McMahon's philosophy. That's how it's always been and for the most part we've seen them grow a little bit. There's games where the Broncos were pretty consistent at it but I go back and I we did our rewatch of the Cincinnati Bengals Broncos Monday Night Football game from 2015 and and Britton Colquitt would boom the football downfield he had a phenomenal punt in that game and I just remember Shaquille Barrett and Kayvon Webster those guys 
got downfield, they made plays. They blew dudes up. And the Broncos haven't had that since uh, that 2015 season. I can't recall the last time we saw, outside of maybe Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick, in my opinion, is a very phenomenal special teams player, especially as a gunner for this Broncos team. Uh, but we haven't seen that type of play that we got from Kayvon Webster or even Shaquille Barrett on punt coverage in a long time. So it's been like three or four years since the Broncos have seen that kind of consistency. So they got to be able to improve that a little bit. But for the Broncos kick return average, it was pretty good. They were third in the NFL, 25.4 yards per return, led by Deontay Spencer. They were a much more disciplined unit in that area of the field in terms of kick return. Now, in terms of kick coverage, I felt like overall, the Broncos kick return coverage was a lot better. It helps when you have a kicker that can boot it into the end zone for a touchback. But there were times where the Broncos tried to test certain returners, and they gave about a 26.8 yards per game in terms of kick return average, average starting field position at the 26.8 yard line. 29th in the National Football League. That's not good. You can't do that. You got to find a way to improve in that area. Plus, the field goal percentage, the Broncos ranked 11th with 85.3% of field goal attempts converted by Brandon McManus, who saw a more consistent year outside of the fact that he asked for a long field goal attempt against LA, and he also asked for one uh, against the Oakland Raiders and did not get it. So, uh, you know, I think McManus, he's got to keep it in that range of about 40 to 49. Maybe you go with a, you know, if, he, if you're facing a 50-yard field goal attempt situation, I would say maybe from 50 to 53 yards is probably Brandon McManus' max range that I would be comfortable. I know he booms 60, sometimes even 70 in pregame, but that's so different. You have so many different variables. You're in a stadium where it's loud. During pregame, you have nobody in there. You just have the PA music. And you have no pressure in your face to be able to get a kickoff. So it's easy to see why you could do it in practice, why you could do it in pregame. But the game scenario is so much more different. And the Broncos have gambled on giving McManus long field goal attempt tries. And it just hasn't worked out. So I'd say 50 to 53 yards is his max range, in my opinion. But let's take a look at the core special teams players from 2019. A kicker, you had Brandon McManus. Had a pretty good season overall. Long snapper, you had Pro Bowl Casey Kreider. He's not going to be back with the team in 2020. And you had Colby Wadman as the punter. Now in 2020, things could look entirely different. You got Brandon McManus back at kicker. No competition there, really. And then you have a new long snapper in Jacob Bobenmoyer from the University of Northern Colorado. He's a guy that's played some linebacker. He's a guy that gets downfield. I think that's one of the reasons why the Broncos looked at him. And you get to pay him a little bit less than what you paid Casey Kreider. So you save some money at the long snapper position. But it's such a critical emphasis, too. You have to do your job as a long snapper. If you don't, guess what? You're not going to be in the league very long. Long snapper is is actually a pretty tough position. You got to get the snap right. You got to get it to the holder. The holder's got to be able to get it. If you, you know, have a snap that's a little bit off to the holder, you know, and it gets uh, it gets twisted and it influences the trajectory of where he's going to place the ball. Obviously, lace is facing away from the kicker and you got to be able to boot that up. It's a process, and you spend a lot of time working on it. So long snappers are people, too, and then you bring in Sam Martin, a 46-yard per punt average, more likely an upgrade than what you had with Colby Wadman. So the Broncos, what are our expectations for them in the special teams department of the ball? Look, I'd say they just got to be better in the punting unit. you got to take some pressure off that defense. If the Broncos' defense could be really nasty next year, if we project it on paper with the new secondary, with Boye being a speed guy, Bosby on the outside, Callahan fully healthy, Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, that secondary he looks nice. You look at the pass rush, Bradley Chubb, you got Von Miller, Jarrell Casey, you're going to have Draymond Jones, and then Jeremiah Tauchu in the build, as well alongside Mike Purcell, even Demarcus Walker. The Broncos could still add some pieces to that puzzle there, but that defense right there right now has some early odds on favors to be very, very successful. They finished as a top 11 unit all across the board in the NFL, and they were the number one red zone ranked defense. Special teams 
impacts the defensive side of the ball in more ways than one. And it's all about momentum. If a field goal kicker misses a field goal, it puts the defense in a very bad field position. There's a swing of momentum right there. You shank a punt while you're trying to punt it away to the other team and it only goes 25, 30, 30 yards or even 39 yards like it did for Coley Wobbin on several occasions. The Broncos, they got to come out and they got to have short field position once again. So you put the pressure on them. Special teams are so important. Three phases of the game, you hear it all the time. But the Broncos, if they can improve in those areas, limit some of those mistakes, if Sam Martin can be consistent, I think the Broncos are going to be in good hands overall, ladies and gentlemen. I want to hear what your thoughts are. Send me a text message, 303-529-6323, or tweet me, at Cody Rourke NFL. What are your thoughts on the Broncos special teams unit, the changes at long snapper, at punter, and at kicker? I mean, we got Brandon McManus there, but what would you like to see Brandon McManus do more of in 2020? So coming up here in just a moment, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the fourth quarter of all the action here at Lockdown Broncos. We're going to recap our first ever watch party, hashtag LOB Watch. We're going to recap the Monday night football game that we experienced live with fans as they followed along by using NFL Game Pass for free. And I want to encourage you guys, for next Tuesday, when we recap week 17 of the 2015 season, Peyton Manning's triumphant return, we're going to be doing another watch party. We want you guys to follow along so you can create an NFL Game Pass account absolutely free and get ready to join the action join us live interact in the chat and live tweet it as well hashtag lob watch look forward to it but like i said you can only do that with nfl game pass so go sign up for a free account today Okay, Broncos country, back here for the fourth quarter action of Locked On Broncos. We did our first ever watch party. I felt inspired. You see all these different things. You know, DNVR is doing these watch parties, which is really cool. They're looking at Love is Blind, the uh, DNVR Nuggets. They're looking at old Nuggets playoff games from 2009. And you see all these different networks doing these different ideas in terms of watches. The NFL Network's airing classic games. They're airing free agency showcase games. I thought it'd be a great idea to go back and revisit special times in Broncos country. And so we went back to the 2015 season, that historic five game stretch from the Cincinnati Bengals game in week 16, all the way to Super Bowl 50, that five game stretch where the Broncos ran the table and they improved week by week. And they really put on a special performance, which goes down in Broncos history. And we want to relive that magic with fans. So on Monday evening, we did a live watch party. We watched the Cincinnati Bengals traveled to the Denver Broncos to take on Brock Osweiler and company and all the the odds for the Broncos in this game and look it was a it was a tough matchup and coming off here in the first half Cincinnati Bengals got things going AJ McCarron making his second career start against the Broncos he was slinging it all over the place the quick passing game man coverage you had Chris Harris Jr. against AJ Green he had a six yard slant on the first series and then AJ Green just started going off he went everywhere he was making tough catches he mossed to keep to leave who still had pretty good coverage. They had Marvin Jones there. They had Tyler Croft. They had Jeremy Hill, Giovanni Bernard, but the the Cincinnati Bengals controlled the entire time of possession against the Broncos in half number one, and the Broncos, I believe, only had a negative two passing yards, if I'm not mistaken, right before halftime or leading up to the final drive before halftime, and they went down at half 14 to three, so they trailed in that game, and at the time, Cincinnati was sitting at the number two seed in the AFC playoffs, which is crazy. It's crazy to see how far they've come from 25 15 all the way to 2020. Now they're the number one overall draft pick in this year's NFL draft coming up here in just a few weeks. But going back and looking at that game, I just remember New England was the number one seed. They were sitting at 12 and three, if I'm not mistaken. And they had one game left. It was against the Miami Dolphins in week 17, which obviously sets the table for our next watch party next Tuesday. I got a little under the weather, so I felt like I really couldn't do a watch party. I got to take some necessary steps to obviously keep us going this week. The plan was to watch every game this week. We're going to start 
with Week 17 next Tuesday. Then we're going to finish everything next week with uh, the Chargers, the AFC Divisional game against Pittsburgh, the AFC Championship against New England, and then close it off next Friday, Super Bowl 50 against the Carolina Panthers. But in that first half, A.J. McCarron had confidence. He was very efficient. The Broncos could not get off the field on third down defensively. Despite tough coverage, McCarron and the Bengals were 6-for-6 on third down on the defense against the Broncos defense, who was, you know, arguably the number one defense in the NFL at that time. Their ranking was the number one defense against the pass. Uh, they were top five against the run, and they were just having a lot of success, especially against the Broncos going some man coverage. They took advantage of some matchups with, with Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard out of the backfield on swing routes, isolate them one-on-one against Danny Trevathan and Brandon Marshall. And, the, you know, the Broncos go into halftime. They start to get some when They put a good drive together. They settle for a field goal. Okay, so they go into halftime down 14-3. They come out in the second half, they get the ball. Brock Osweiler, C.J. Anderson, Ronnie Hillman, they are moving the ball down the field, and they punch it in for a touchdown on an Emmanuel Sanders catch on an out route to the outside. That made the score at that point in time in the third quarter, 14-10. to Denver was trailing there. A.J. McCarron, they just came off of a really hot start in the first half. The Broncos' defense comes out there. They ramped things up. I don't know what Wade Phillips said to them in that locker room at halftime, but he got them fired up because they were all over the place. They were stuffing the run against Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard. They had Vance Walker coming in, number 96, and he was a promising young player for this Broncos team as well. And you had Danny Trevathan, you had Brandon Marshall. These guys were filling the alley, especially against the jet sweeps, the toss plays, and they were all over the place. And the cornerbacks, Bradley Roby, Aqib Tlaib, you had TJ Ward and Darian Stewart coming up in the box and thumping people. This team was all around very complete. They had a lot of contributions from a lot of those guys. And Sylvester Williams was one of those key players as well on the defensive line. The Broncos defense forced a three and out. They were able to get some stops. A lot of punting action too by the Bengals in the second half. And, and I just remember uh, they ended up setting for a field goal late on in the game to tie the game at 17. The Broncos second touchdown would come on a little bit of a run to the left side by C.J. Anderson. He broke three tackles because they just tried to ankle tackle him. And, and they had a pretty stout defense. I mean, Carlos Dunlap, you had Reggie Nelson, you had Sean Williams, you had Drake Kirkpatrick in the secondary. Even Pac-Man Jones was getting in on some of the action against DT, Emmanuel Sanders, and Benny Fowler and Jordan Norwood. They also came up big in this game for the Broncos when they needed them the most. Jordan Norwood had a several receptions in this game, but C.J. Anderson's 39-yard touchdown run to the left side would give the Broncos a 17-14 lead. The Bengals, towards the end, would come through. They'd drive. they kick a field goal to tie it up. The Broncos have a perfect opportunity. They march down the field. Uh, they get a stop after fumbling the ball. C.J. Anderson fumbled the ball, I believe, in the final four minutes of the game. Uh, the Bengals got it back. The Broncos' defense got a stop, and they got the ball back. Brock Osweiler marched down the field. Big third down play coming up. Guess who comes up big? Oh, Daniels. They should make a statue for him at Empower Stadium at Mile High. I really do believe that. At the time, it was called Sports Authority Field at Mile High, but Owen Daniels came up big on a big third down reception and then right towards the end, he took a big thump from uh, Reggie Nelson right in the chest. He got right back up, but he battled injuries, knee injuries, rib injuries in 2015. I remember that game clear as hell. That was a very clean play by Reggie Nelson, but the Broncos would get in a position. Brock Osweiler would take the snap and then just fall on the ground in the middle of the field. The Broncos would call timeout. Four seconds left. Brandon McManus comes out for what would be a 45-yard field goal attempt. And I just recall it, too. I was like, look, the Broncos, they did it. That mile-high magic. All of a sudden, Brandon McManus shanks it wide left. And not even close. He shanks it wide left. It was a great snap. It was a great hold. His hips just rotated in a way where it shifted it far left. Regulation runs out. The Broncos and the Bengals go into overtime. Okay, And and in this, too, the Broncos, they get the ball first. They received it. They march down the field. They're not able to capitalize. So Brandon McManus comes out. 
he kicks a field goal. Okay, so the Broncos go up at this point 20-17. to 17, And now the Broncos defense, they got to get a stop here. They got to get a stop against A.J. McCarron, who's getting some momentum rolling for him. So there's one play. It occurs. I believe there was a penalty. And then the next ensuing play, McCarron goes to get the snap. He drops the snap out of the shotgun formation. DeMarcus Ware gets on the ball. Broncos win. Walk off. And the Broncos at that point, they clinched a playoff berth in the AFC playoffs with the victory over the Cincinnati Bengals, who were the number two seed at the time. So the Broncos bumped up to the number two seed, and that would lead to the Week 17 regular season finale against the Los Angeles Chargers. If the Broncos won, and if the Patriots lost to the Dolphins, they would go on and clinch the number one seed and have home field advantage throughout the, the rest of the AFC playoffs. The road would have to come through Denver. And so that leads us into our next watch party, which starts on Tuesday of next week. After I heal up and recover a little bit, get some time to rest and recuperate, we're going to watch that action. First half, Brock Osweiler led the table for the Broncos alongside DT. They struggled. They were booed off the field. Going into halftime, Peyton Manning comes out in the second half, and we have some more mile-high magic that we can't wait to recap with you guys for our hashtag LOB watch party. Hope you guys join us, and I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of the show. I think the Broncos got better on the special team side of the ball. I like the Editions of Sam Martin. I like bringing back Jeremiah Tauchu. As I mentioned, I feel it's like the most underrated signing so far for the Broncos this offseason. Broncos country, I'd like to hear from you. Follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. Text me 303-529-6323. Add yourself to the text message list. I can't wait to interact with you guys. And uh, if you guys love the show, please do do me a favor. If you guys can, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to also check us out. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you love the show. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us why. But in the meantime, Broncos country, hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow for a brand new episode of the show. We're going to take a deep dive into the tight end position, and hopefully we could get Mario Vitanzi on the line to join you guys here for tomorrow's episode of the show. So stay tuned and stay locked on. And in the meantime, check out the latest episode of the Locked On NFL podcast hosted by Matt Williamson and Brian Peacock. For some of the latest rumblings across the National Football League, Tom Brady had his first press conference with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The era in Tampa Bay is going to be changing.